made this quote about goals. The most important thing about goals is to have one. You know, most of us see goals this way. My goal was this year to lose 20 pounds, and I've only got 30 left to go. <laughs> hey, lots of people say, hey, man, you know. But, but it's really different than what I'm talking about this morning. How many have watched the show Alice in Wonderland? You guys got to get out more. <laughs> I'm, not I'm talking about the original. Do you know when that show was made? 1951. You know what a great year that was? That was an awesome year I was born. <laughs> it was an awesome year. Do you remember how Alice in the Wonderland starts, for those of you who have watched it? It starts out with this rabbit running through the woods, and he's got this great big watch in his hands, and he's saying, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. And then he runs to the wood, and Alice in this big blue dress is following him, and he runs into this tree and disappears. And so Alice walks over to this tree, and she looks in, and she falls in, and she falls down into Wonderland. And she's kind of lost. But I'm talking about this because what was said between her and the Cheshire cat was absolutely profound. So this is... Alice in Wonderland, talking to a cat. It's a, guys, for the views don't know, it's one of Disney's first animated full-length movies. And uh, Lewis Carroll uh, wrote, wrote the storyline. And so the cat says to Alice, where are you going? And Alice says, which way should I go? And the cat says, well, that depends on where you're going. And Alice says, I don't know. And then the cat says this, then it doesn't matter much which way you go. Then it doesn't matter much which way you go. I believe this would fit many people today. I don't know, she said. And I think that's where many, many of us are. I'd like to pray about this if we could. Father, I know that each one of us, we have our goals, but our life goal may be a little farther out there. And I believe in my heart of hearts, it's why you came. You're a God of plan. You're a God of purpose. You have an objective. And each one of us here today could put our name in front of that. God, you have a plan for me. You have an objective for me. You have a purpose for my life. And I'm here to accomplish that in my heart, Lord, my heart. And I believe the hearts of those here today is to be set in dead center of that plan. In Jesus' name. It is why Jesus came, isn't it? It really is. I may have to resort to this a few times today. Don't mind, do you? I think I'll be okay. I might. I'll let you know. <coughs> Excuse me. He came to give us a goal and a purpose.
We don't just exist. I don't care what you've got going in your life. I don't care how dull, mundane, or absolutely crazy your life is from other people grabbing and pulling and yanking. God has a plan, and he has a purpose. And he wants us to know where we are going and which way to go. He has absolutely given us which way we should go and what our goal for life should be. Unfortunately, I believe this, that most non-believers have no clue what a believer's goal should be. I, I really think... I think if you were to ask them, they'd say something like, well, I, I think they just want us to come to church with them. Or they might say, uh, we, they want to just make, make us talk and walk and act like they do. Or, I've heard this one, they want us to stop having fun doing what we do. Who, who knows, sin has its pleasure for a season. It absolutely does. I've also heard this one. Well, isn't it what you guys want to do is just share the word? If somebody were to ask you today, what's your goal for life? What would you say? If I were to ask right now, what would you say? Don't, don't panic. I'm not going to ask you. But what would you say? Many of us might respond, I want to follow Jesus, or I want to see all my loved ones saved. Or maybe a few might be say, I want to be happy and enjoy the life that God has provided for me. Is there anything wrong with those goals? Those goals? Absolutely not. There's not anything wrong with them at all. But are they the goal that Jesus wants for us? I have some thoughts that I wrote down about goals that I thought would be good. I, and he literally said, this is not a uh, how to be happy seminar. So this is not a ha how to be happy seminar, okay? But there's some common agreement uh, between those, you know, there's people who make a living telling other people what goals they should have for their life. They go around doing that. That's, you know, how to be happy seminars or something. But anyway, there are five, five attributes or qualities that they generally agree on that goals should have. And, and here, here, here they are. Number one, for a good goal, they need to be specific. A good goal needs to be measurable. A good goal needs to be achievable a good goal needs to be relevant and a good goal needs to be time bound now if I were to go by those attributes here would be a good goal I want to make a million dollars before I'm 50 that would be a good goal according to those attributes it's definitely specific it's time-bound, it's relevant, it's achievable, you know, I already failed that, you know, <laughs> I'm a few years past 50, and <laughs> I didn't achieve that goal, but 
Is that a good goal for a Christian? Many would shake their head. No, well, I'd say, well, that depends. <laughs> it really does on what God has for your life. Maybe he wants you to be a giver. But anyway, maybe. But it really doesn't fit well with any of those other I want to follow those attributes don't fit well with any of those other, I want to follow Jesus, or I want to see my loved ones saved. Because they don't fit well into those five attributes, do they? Like that, I want to make a million dollar does. What, tr what truth is missing from the five attributes? There's, there's a huge truth missing. What's God's purpose? What was it? What was Jeffrey Hebert's quote? Most important thing about a goal is to have one. Well, yeah, but I, I, I would add to it, it has to be God's goal. You know, every pastor who's ever led a, a church of any size has always strained, struggled effort at creating a statement of faith for the church. You know, they want it to be unique. They want it to be profound. They want it to be inspiring to anybody who might come across it. And I don't think any pastor is not understanding enough to think, well, if they just read our statement of faith, they're going to say, I want to come to that church. <laughs> no, but I would say this about it. If they come across it and it's not written well, they might say, I don't think I want to go there. So it's, it's the, the really important. And I, can, I know I was there. I saw Gary struggle and pray and spend time with the church advisory board going over the statement of faith that this church has. Anybody ever read it? I wrote it down. <laughs> we have one. Christian Fellowship is a congregation of believers seeking to live and grow in community with each other. Our heart is to love the triune God, each other, and the community where God has placed us. We meet weekly to worship our God, to pray, and listen, to encourage each other, and to study the Word of God. Our goal is always to always look to Holy Spirit for His guidance in all that we do as a community of believers. Great statement of faith. I think it about covers all the bases. You know, I, I don't think anybody would be offended reading that. They would all agree. But there's also a we believe statement. This is all right off the front page of cfjc.org. Right when you go right to our webpage. And our we believe statement is our heart is to walk in the love and grace of Jesus Christ humbly serving others both within the church and the community, the community where God has placed us. We believe God's family is entrusted to build the kingdom of God as we feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, visit the lonely, provide clothing to those in, help in, those in need, help the sick, and help those in prison. Do these line up? with the five qualities that the world sets. Kind of do. They're not time-bound. They're probably not measurable. 
You see, we can't, we just can't do that as Christians. This is where our logical brain, our worldly brain can get us into trouble. Trying to meet with the world would say, establishing a goal as a believer. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 14, speaks directly to this. It says, I don't know, maybe one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What goal is there that a spirit-filled person would make that wouldn't sound foolish to an unsaved person? Get others saved? Saved from what? I'm good. Follow Jesus? I don't even believe he was real. You know, or live righteously. And they'd say, what? I don't even know what that is. As believers in Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again, and then he sits at the right hand of the Father. All those others say, follow Jesus, live righteously, sound perfectly logical, don't they? They don't sound like something we'd want to include. So why in the world would we turn to the world's logic to establish our goals for life? So why in the world would we turn to the world to establish our goals for life? And I say, don't do it. For if we're serious about our life goals, where do we find guidance for our life pursuit? Our life goals. I'm not saying we shouldn't use the wisdom God gives Principle, wisdom and understanding. It's a principal thing. But where do we turn? I want to share an, uh, an excerpt or a, a word. Who knows who Bob Jones is? In, mo most Christians know who Bob Jones. He was, uh, most of the Christian world consider him a seer or a, a prophet. Uh, he, was, he lived from 1930 to 2014. And on August 8, 1975, when he was 45 years old, he gave this testimony on August in uh, Oregon in 2006 about his death experience of August 8, 1975, when he's 45. Many of you may have read his, I guess you'd call life after death experience. And if you have, please allow me a little grace. I'm going to read, read some from it here. I'm only going to include a little of what he had to say that day in 2006 in Oregon. These are his words. I was in pain on the earth, and blood was shooting out of my mouth like a geyser. And all of a sudden, I wasn't in pain anymore. This man, the paraclete, stood by my side, the Holy Spirit. We started walking, and as we walked, I saw a man who was white light. All white light was around him but he was the whitest of all white lights. He had his hands out, and as I came into that light, there came a feeling over me like I had never known before. And I asked the man beside me, the paraclete, Holy Spirit, I asked the man beside me, what is that? Holy Spirit said, it is 
the love of God. I said, it's just so wonderful. It's so glorious. And he said, that's what it is. It is the glory of God. Hmm. I'm going to condense a little bit here. So these are my words, but this is what he said. He then has shown a big line of people headed to Hades. Everybody knows what Hades is, right? And they are wrapped up in the thing that they served on earth as their God. They didn't believe in Jesus. As an example, one man was a huge head. He was an atheist. He worshipped himself. Another was wrapped up in money. They were all headed to eternity to serve their gods. These are Bob Jones' words again. So I looked at that line. It was so horrible. And everyone, when they came there, they recognized him. Their eyes got big. And everyone that was going to, going to hell has had a witness in one way or another that there is a God. And every one of them willingly denied him. I watched the Lord speak to the people that were coming, them, coming there. And he asked them only one question. Did you learn to love? He's not going to ask you what you did if you learned what you did. If you learned to love, you're going to do that which is right. Did you learn to love? Later, he spoke this about himself. As I came close to the Lord, I was thinking, I learned to love. I'm okay. I'm going home. And as I did, he held up his hand to me and said, no, I want you to go back. I told him it was too hard to get here. I don't want to because I wasn't doing any good down there. And he said, you are a liar because you spoke my words and my words will always bring it to pass. Wow. Alice in Wonderland said, what? Cat said, where are you going? And Alice said, which way should I go? And the cat said, that depends on where you're going. And Alice said, I don't know. Then the cat said, then it doesn't matter much which way you go. Really speaks to a life goal, doesn't it? Really does. Psalm 119, 105, New King James Version. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. New Living Translation. It says, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities that Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. I believe this is the greatest truth about our God, and that also I believe it is one of the least understood. Here's a quote. I don't know who to give it to. <laughs> I found it. The brain is the most impressive organ in the body. It works 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, right up until we fall in love. <laughs> True. So, son, he, looks, he asks his dad, Dad! When was the first time you fell in love? And dad says, well, I was 18. I walked into a restaurant 
and I spotted the most beautiful blonde I'd ever seen, and Cupid fired his arrow the minute I got in there. And the son says, so what happened? Dad, nothing. Unfortunately, the arrow missed and hit your mother. <laughs> Who knows we don't fall in love? You don't fall in love. I'm sorry. Listen to what Jesus had to say in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 36 through 40. I'm going to be reading New King James. In verse 36, it starts out, Teacher, boy, isn't that the way the enemy always approaches us, tries to flatter us at first? Verse 36, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as who? Yourself. One more time. You shall love your neighbor as who? Yourself. Do you love yourself? I venture to say this is problematic for most of us. We don't really love ourselves. We, we see our flaws. Does Jesus love you? Everybody say, Jimmy Robin. <laughs> he absolutely loves us with abandonment. So you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, verse 40, hang all the law and the prophets. And there's nothing in there about falling. The Bob Jones testimony wasn't anything in there about falling, was there? What, what did Jesus say to him? Did you learn to love? Hmm. Who knows God is love? Just is, isn't it? Yep. First John 4, 7, 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For God, love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Let love be your highest goal, Paul said in Corinthians 14.1. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's in your blood? That's kind of an old phrase. But it's referring to people, families have tendencies. Some families have music, you know, it's in my blood. Some people uh, love to hunt. It's in their blood. I heard the comment, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. It, it's referring to that. It's in your blood. What's in your blood? Ever thought about that? What's in your blood? Is faithfulness something you've always been that's in your blood? Or, or how about a hard working? Are you a hard working person? You've always, it's just been an attribute that you always had. Maybe you love the outdoors. You just absolutely love the outdoors. Maybe you love water, you love to go fishing or swimming. It's in your blood. You know, back in the 50s, I'll own up to it, 
back in the 50s, we lived in Livingston, Montana. And Livingston, Montana is just a short, you know, I don't know, 50 miles north of, of uh, Yellowstone Park. And I was a young boy. And all, when we lived there, all my mom and dad's relatives would all come to visit us. I mean, it was just a parade every summer. They'd come in and visit us. And we'd pack up and we'd go camping. I mean, we'd go down in Yellowstone Park. And back in the 50s, the bears walked in the campgrounds, you know. I mean, it was just a different time. The bears were walking along the road and people were throwing food out of the windows of their cars. And we'd go, we'd go camping. And man, I loved it. They'd just give me free reign. I'd run around and catch frogs and jump in water and just do all kinds of stories. I've got stories, guys. I can regale you, bore you to death <laughs> with some stories of what I did as a kid. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Some of them not so good. Love is in the blood of Jesus. Love is in the blood of Jesus. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord, he does these things for us. What does it say? 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And who, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Who knows love can be confusing? Especially for young people. I say that about young people, but it's confusing for us. You know, there's lots of things we think love is because we're all full of what Hollywood told us, what other people have said, you know. And there's really only one source, isn't there? Yeah. I'd like to make this declaration about love. It is the supernatural, miracle-working power of God. It is the supernatural, miracle-working power of God. If you look in the Gospel of Mark, about the 10th chapter, there's a rich young man who comes to Jesus, and he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him the commandments. And what does the young man say? You all know the story. I've done all these from my youth. And it says then in verse 21, then Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. You need so that you have and come follow me. The miracle working power of God, Jesus loved him and he saw what he needed. You see, this, this is what real love is. 1 John 4.10 says, this is real love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Absolutely none of that is done naturally, is it? 
Those are all supernatural acts. The love of God is the supernatural, miracle-working power of God. And for God, love is a fact, but it's also an act. You see, we have to see love as something that is active. We have to see some love as something that it's alive. It's alive in us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's alive. And it's moving in us. And it's moving through us, the love of God. You see, we got to get our life goals set over in the right direction and then try to accomplish them. Matthew 22, 37 says, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I'm going to go where everybody expects you to go when you talk about love. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verses 4 through 10. But I'm, I think most of you could probably quote it in some version of the King James. So I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation just so it's fresh, kind of new. Just because you can quote the other. <clears throat> love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth runs out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, those partial things will become useless. I count six love is, and eight love is not, depending on how you read it. And I would say to all of us, they're all primary goals for our life. Active and alive. Love is patient and kind. I want to share a quick testimony of something that happened to Sarah and I, I don't know, a week, week and a half ago. Uh, we'd been up to see Gary and Chris and, and went up there and we're praying and loving on them and it was time for us to go and we got out of the hospital and we went down the parking lot and we went below, you know, how you can turn down Madison Street and go towards the downtown area and <clears throat> there's a ramp coming off the dual lane there and we turned off and went right and went down the street. And all of a sudden, as we were going down that street, here comes a car behind us screaming up and blaring the horn as it comes down to us. And the car looked like a refugee from a junkyard, you know, how they are. You've seen them. Had some of the body parts different colors on them and some of them didn't fit quite right 
it was a very warm day and the windows w were all down and there were young people in there and they were ho hollering at Sarah and I as we went down the street and they, they weren't nice things. And you know, when you come from this situation, you're hurting, your heart's down, you're just, you know, you're kind of hurting. And they come screaming up behind us and they followed us all the way down and uh, we hit the red light down there at Duncan Street. And we were gonna go left and they pulled right up beside us. And I thought, are they gonna do something stupid? You know, I suspect there was some substance abuse involved in them yelling. But they got up beside us and they looked at us. They got real quiet. And my heart went to, I hurt for them. Because, you know, I've been there. I've been where they are. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. And I know where they are and where they need to get to with, with their Savior is a long way. It's a long way. So we made our left and we went on. You see, that's not love, is it? And, and they were doing just what young people do when they're listening to loud music and doing whatever it is they're doing inside the car. I believe if we will redo our goals for life so that they include learning to love as our highest goal, we'll actually begin to modify all that we do so that it's motivated by I am going to love in every circumstance we find ourselves in. I think our lives will change and our choices will be easier. Guys, we cannot exaggerate. It is impossible to exaggerate about the love of God. It's higher, wider, deeper than anything we could ever know. I did something that we're fond to do. I rewrote a scripture <laughs> have you got it I, it's I'm going back to 1st Corinthians the 14th chapter 13th chapter verse 4 and I'm calling these my life goal and I'm replacing all the love is to I will be and all the love is not it's I will not be I think it's up there. You can kind of read along as I read it. I will be patient and kind. I will not be jealous. I will not be boastful. I will not be proud. I will not be rude. I will not demand my own way. I will not be irritable. And I will not keep any record of being wronged. I will not rejoice about injustice, but I will rejoice whenever the truth wins out. I will never give up. Boy, there's one, huh? I will never give up. I will never lose faith. Wow. I will, n I will always be hopeful, and I will endure through every circumstance. This is what love is. And this is a life goal for each and every one of us if we want to be believers in Christ and follow him. I'm going to say this.
love is not easy. I've said some things. You know, people say things from behind the wheel of a car they wouldn't say to anybody's face. <laughs> yeah. Guilty. It's truth. Will you pray with me? We close. Father, I, I just ask, as we sit here today and, and look to the Savior of our soul, and I believe this is not an option for us, Father. I believe learn to love others as you love yourself. So we have to be this way with ourselves as well as with others. And I ask you to help us, Father. Paraclete, Holy Spirit, come alongside. Fill each one of us that we would be full of you and we would call to mind life's goals when we're in tough situations. When your rod and your staff is comforting us, that we know, that we know, that we know. We know what love is. You've told us. Shed it abroad in our hearts. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. And the blood of Jesus is full of love. So I thank you for the love of God. I thank you for the joy of God. And I pray as we go from this place that we'd be filled with life's choices of loving and caring for others, for you first, and ourselves. We give you all the praise, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for the faithful here. It thrills my heart. We bless you, Lord. Give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.